But what I do is figure out what you're trying to do, if you're allowed to do it, what you have to get to do it, and then I get those things. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. out there listening and welcome to another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Our next guest is Brett Madsen. He's founder of Permit Philly, a full-service permit acquisition company dedicated to helping property owners getting their Philadelphia permits for building and zoning as quickly and simply as possible. Brett has a really unusual background. He has a degree in music composition and worked as a teacher before he found his true calling helping people get their uh, permits. He founded Permit Philly after working as the operations coordinator for a real estate law firm in their zoning office. And then when he originally started, he had never worked in real estate before, but he's a naturally curious person. So he studied the zoning process in Philadelphia and then the regulations surrounding construction permits. And then one thing led to another. And today here he is a licensed expediter with years of experience in city of Philadelphia permits. And he's ready to put his expertise to work on your next project. So when he's not navigating L&I, licenses and inspections, he can probably be found watching or playing music in Fishtown or Kensington. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks. Great to be here. So Brett, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being as easy as 2 plus 2 and 10 being linear algebra, how difficult is it to get permits in Philly? And why is it so difficult? Well, it's been a long time since I uh, had to do any linear algebra, so... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's probably, probably a seven. A seven? Okay. Yeah, maybe an eight. An I, eight. It's, it's hard. <laughs> they don't make it simple. So why is it so difficult? Is it just a legacy of being one of the oldest cities in the United States? Or is there something inherent about the bureaucracy of Philadelphia that makes it so difficult? Yeah, I can really only speak to what I've seen working on it myself. I'd actually love to know more about the history. I'm, I'm always trying to learn more. Um, uh, it seems to be a combination of just the sort of zoning problems that you usually run into uh, in a city where everybody's right on top of each other and different concerns have uh, a stake in keeping things the same or changing them sustainably. And the city, of course, wants to keep everything safe. That that just happens. That's That necessitates zoning codes in most areas um, or at least certainly adherence to building codes. But then, yeah, the some of the processes just don't seem to work very well. The city's recovering from, as I understand it, years of pretty blatant mismanagement. Um, for instance, it used to be the case. It's not since I've been working on this. But up until um, the early 20-teens, it seems to have been the case that if you wanted an inspection to go well from licenses and inspections, you could do worse than bribing certain inspectors. Ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you hear stories like that, but yeah. To, yeah. So 
it it's rooted in some truth. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, again, I'm taking this from this was not the my histor- experience, yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, I'm taking this from stories from 2015-16 um, in the Inquirer and other news outlets around here. Yeah, that was apparently the case uh, for quite a long time. Uh, nobody I've worked with at LNI has been like that. No one's ever even intimated that they might. So uh, as far as I know, it's completely gone. But uh, I mean, I hope that's the case. But yeah, it, it seems like it was just a. Uh, some some shady things were going on (laughs) so when did you realize that this could be a business for you because tell us a little bit more about your your background your professional background oh man i i mean like you said i was a teacher so i i studied music composition for years uh i finished up in 20 when was this i finished up in 2014 and then in 2015 i moved to china to be a music teacher for one year and I thought I was going to stay for a while. I was thinking I'll learn Mandarin. I didn't really like the school I ended up working at. Um, I missed the U.S. more than I thought I might. Uh, you were teaching English and music? No, no, I was just teaching music. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was teaching music at a, at a school there uh, in English. It was an international school. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it didn't, wasn't quite the fit I was looking for. So I just came back to Philly. Um, at that point, I had it was a one-year contract. So I was just uh, crashing on friends and family's couches across the states, traveled for about three, four months. And then decided to pick a city. So Philadelphia looked cool. Where, so I moved here because it looked cool. Where did you grow up originally? <laughs> uh, South Florida. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And you picked Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people would want to pick Florida. Well, so. I'd been a few other places first. So I'd, I'd gone to Chicago and Colorado for following the degrees. And then, um, then of course, I was in Shanghai. So after Shanghai, just wanted okay. to move somewhere cool. Okay. <laughs> and Philly seemed like the spot. So the office, um, the the job at the law office that kind of came about. Oh man, that that was really lucky. Yeah, I got a I got a great break. So I was I basically crashed a friend's birthday party. It wasn't even really a friend at that point. He was just the only person I knew in Philadelphia. So the first weekend I was in town, I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "It's my birthday party." I said, "Cool, where?" Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just showed up, and one of his friends um, was actually the—I'm not sure what you'd call her position, but it's something like business partner, basically. Yeah, basically business partner, marketing director, informally, for this real small law office um, for this attorney who mostly handles zoning cases. So. We hit it off, and she said, come by if you want to talk more about the stuff, because I was interested in city planning, just in the abstract. I didn't know anything about it, but I like cities. I got curious about how they're made. So I took her up on it, and at the end of it, she said, you know, I really need help if you want to help with operations and coordinating things in the office. And yeah, that's that's where I started. That's great. So how long were you in that job before you realized, you know what, this is a whole business that I could that I could launch. Oh, and run oh, for myself. I can't I can't carry credit for that. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. The, the idea of being just an expediter, somebody who gets permits for people in Philly has been around long before any of this. Um, you had to get a license. There are people who have been doing it for as far as I can tell, decades. <laughs> Usually, and for, nobody came up with the year with the website address permitphilly.com before no, you. No, because it's, it's incredible. A, it's a small business. It's a niche okay. business. Um, uh, there's I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Is it niche or niche? I forget how. Uh, both, both ways. Both, fine. both. Yeah. You know what? It's both. Yeah. We, we just solved it here. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. I've heard it said. So, uh, I say it both ways too. I, yeah. I know it's one of those. I've, I should just tomato, tomato. I should just take the time to actually figure it out. But I've never had it. anyway. So yeah, there, there's uh, there's another company that does the same thing called Philadelphia Zoning, and nobody had taken that before. And that's not catchy though. That's not as catchy as permit. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it drives a lot of traffic. Uh, I, th- I think they're doing quite well. They do a similar thing, more focused on zoning. But yeah, so so just nobody had really got the domains, I guess, 
Yeah, no okay. one had really tried okay. until <laughs> until recently. It had been a word of mouth business. If you wanted the permanent villa, you tr- it seemed to be like you tried. It didn't work out well for you. You went through, I guess, back in the day, the yellow pages, found someone who could help you with permits, and it was just kind of a word of mouth business. Um, or you went through a law office, or you went through an architecture firm. Um, and there's still some of that. There are a lot of uh, a lot of the expeditors I see down in the city are not independent. They work for various architecture firms or lawyers. So I all this to say, I didn't come up with the business model, and I didn't even have the first uh, website. I, I might have the first website for an expediter not affiliated with a law firm that's about all the permits, not just zoning. So I, I guess I got lucky that no one else had put it up there yet. Okay. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about how Permit Philly is different from having a real estate attorney or an architect handle the permits. I mean, what is the value add that you're bringing to your clientele? The big difference, I guess, is the, the attorneys are usually working on the documents or the argument. Uh, they're 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 working on drawing up a contract or a deed or a lease and then making an argument if necessary before a city or a court about why this should happen i'm trying to process the permits through the city which is different i'm not appearing before a judge i'm not appearing before usually um, unless i'm in the support role i'm not appearing i'm certainly not arguing on behalf of a client before a board the zoning board the board of building standards i let the architects or the attorneys do that but what I do is figure out what you're trying to do, if you're allowed to do it, what you have to get to do it, and then I get those things. So it's it's less glamorous, it's more practical, but it uh, seems to be really necessary. People seem to need it. Yeah, definitely. So talk about some of the recent code changes uh, to Philly's construction code. There, there's something that happened recently, right, in the last year or yeah, so? Yeah, yeah, in the last maybe year. maybe a lot of... Um, you know, part-time rehabbers might not be fully aware that the, some of the construction code has changed. So oh, for can, sure. Can, yeah. can you talk about some of the top five things people should be aware of? What happened was that the the state um, wanted to update its building codes. So there are international building codes put out by the International Code Council. Um, very spooky sounding body that mm. tells you your door needs to be this wide. Your stair riser needs to be this high and your stair tread needs to be this deep. Mm. Uh, very, very detailed. Um, and that's what architects generally have to know. If you're ever wondering um, why architects have to go through so much school, a lot of it's that. A lot of it's a part of it's knowing how to use the software, how to design things, maybe learning some engineering. But a lot of it's code compliance, mm-hmm. understanding what you can do, what things cost, what building materials are allowed in a given uh, state, city, municipality. So Philly uh, decided that they wanted to jump ahead of, they wanted to be even more... Um, uh, energy conservative than uh, the rest of the state. So while everybody else is going to 2015's codes, we're going to 2018, and we did that in October 2018. They had a grace period, but it ended in April, and so now all the new, any new building has to go through the 2018 um, international existing building code, international residential code. Oh, sorry. International residential is 2015. For some reason, they let that lag. Okay. Okay. But commercial structures are going to be almost all 2018. So what are some of the, what are some of the most tangible, visible things that are dramatically different between the 2018 code and the prior code? Like particularly yeah. for commercial, for commercial property. Uh, so one of the, one of the main things, um, and this this goes for residential too, with the upgrade uh, to 2015, is you the insulation needs to be better. Now 
I am not an architect and I'm not mm-hmm. a contractor, so I can't give you all the specific grades that they need to. But if you've known for a number of years, oh, this is how they do it. This is the last 10 years. You need this kind of insulation. It's fine. You probably need to recheck that. Um, I'm forgetting the exact chapter of the uh, IRC and uh, IBC and IABC, but those requirements are going to get more stringent. It always gets more energy conservative as it as it moves on. So okay. that's a that's a big difference. Uh, another one is that uh, you have to watch the number of egresses you can have in a residential dwelling. So if you're above, oh, again, have an architect quote this for you exactly, but I, I believe it's if you're on uh, building above the fourth floor for a residential dwelling, you need to have two egresses. This used to not be the case. So a lot of rehabbers uh, in multifamily um, doing flips have to be careful of that. Uh, what you thought you could do, maybe if you were starting this project a year ago, mapping it out, might not be possible anymore. You need to make sure that you have the right number of egresses. Another big one is, uh, I, I th- so it's unclear to me how exactly they're enforcing this in the city of Philadelphia, but uh, like a literal reading of the code changes is that a lot of large bars need to install sprinkler systems even if they don't have them now. So certain assembly spaces, as they call them, need to be sprinklered that might not have had to have been sprinklered And they before. can't be grandfathered in? Uh, it depends. Okay. It's, <laughs> the city comes up with different codes for different things. Again, that's one that's that's a bit up in the air because the the Philly fire codes have not jumped as far as the rest of it. So they might not be pushing that one yet. But it is changing in the uh, International Building Code. So just, if you're making something new, double check to see. Uh, I, I think they've, in the city itself, it seems like you don't have to make drastic changes yet, yet. that the new code okay. might suggest. Because so we're in a little bit of a twilight, twilight just, zone, a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's a twilight. I think just be careful. Okay, okay. <laughs> like they have their rules. You just need to make sure that you know them before you go thinking, ah, this is fine. We don't need a sprinkler. This. Just double check. Double check with your architect. If you have a fire suppression contractor, they'll be up on this exactly. Double check with them. Just make sure things haven't jumped before you assume what you can build and can't build. So how does it work? How does somebody work with you? You do both residential and commercial, right? Sure. Yeah. And would you recommend that, you know, like a a rehabber, somebody who's doing rehab on a small scale, maybe they do two or three houses a year, for example, would you recommend that they come to you really, really uh, before they even purchase a property to kind of like if they're looking at a particular property in a particular neighborhood would you recommend that they reach out to you for a consultation or when's a good time to kind of reach out to you to start beginning the dialogue and to determine whether or not they should hire you uh it can happen at any point um early can be smoother so if you're purchasing the property and you want to know hey what can i do with this Oh, that might be a good time to contact me. <laughs> okay, okay. I can, yeah, I can, I can drop a quick feasibility report for you. Let you know uh, basically what I think from a from a reading of the code. What you can probably do, what you can probably do it with the property. It also might make it easier if if you know in advance that you might need various boards to review you. Uh, there are a lot of departments besides licenses and inspections that need to look over most projects. Um, any new construction, for example, has to, uh, as rehabbers probably know, well, not rehab, rehabbers might not know, but uh, anybody who's doing new construction knows, you need approval of the water department and the streets department. 
if you're on a corner property, you're going to need uh, extra special streets department review. If it's more than five units, you also need that review. Uh, if it's on two frontages, so again, a, uh, a corner property or any other property that's on uh, that fronts on two streets, you need city planning commission review. For historical buildings, that can be uh, that can be pretty intense. There's a there are strict limits on what you can change, uh, particularly on the exterior of the building. Uh, interior, they they don't have authority over. Um, but yeah, there, there's just a lot of different departments that you might need to run through. I will probably know about that. And you can help them navigate that in terms of saying, yeah. you, from your experience, you know that historical review is probably going to be part of this. So yeah, so it's, it's two parts. One is I I know th- I know when you're probably going to need to do it, but I can also figure out exactly what you need and confirm it. So, I mean, anyone can do this. I've just, it's... it's but you're saving time for the person. Oh, you're saving a ton of time. Yeah, you, you have to know where to look, and I've just been looking. So, it's going to take, it might take me a few hours to figure out something that you could be... Weeks. Months. Yeah. I mean, it could, wow. it, yeah, it could set you back a long time. Because you'll, you'll learn by doing, right? You'll, you'll, you'll start the project, you'll get your stuff ready, you'll try to apply, and they'll say, oh, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. You present your project to me, I say, hmm... I think in this neighborhood, this might be a historical property. And I go okay. and I know where to check and I check immediately. And okay. that's that might be months off your project that I just saved because I happen to know, hey, this we should double check this before we jump in. Is there a, um, is there a cautionary tale or a success story oh, man. that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> so many cautionary tales. Yeah, too many. I mean, the, the biggest problem people have is that they do stuff without permits. And, and they think they can get away with it. Well, I mean, some people can, to be honest, to, to be frank. L and I doesn't have, you know, helicopters <laughs> roving the streets. They, they don't, they're, they're not, they no can't drones. figure out everything. Yeah. They're a lot better, though, than they've been. And they do pick up a lot of people for even things as small as a deck that you put on. They might realize, hey, there wasn't a deck there. And then, <laughs> then, uh, then, then you're in some trouble because then you have to go back and get the permits as, as if it was a new construction, even though it's not. Yeah. So just just get the permits is the first thing. It's the process is not super well designed, uh, and and it's a shame. Uh, but there's a reason for it. It does keep it safer. It, one of the things they do, especially for new constructions additions, is they make sure that your building looks structurally safe. So it's not going to mess with your neighbor's property. It won't fall down and hurt anybody. Uh, that's that's a lot of what they're trying to do. So for you know just so that so that you don't get in trouble later but also for the safety of your neighbors you get the permits right right so why do you enjoy what you do because it is a very particular yeah. <laughs> niche area in um in real estate yeah i i like solving problems it's people come to me and it's uh, you never know exactly what it's going to be they'll say okay i need a building permit and so you start assembling the materials and it turns out oh wait you already started this and they're like yeah i'm like all right well is there a violation? What's a violation? Well, they gave me a cease and desist. I'm like, well, okay, that's a that's a violation. So give me that paperwork too, and then it'll turn into well, it's also it's part of this other property that has a violation on, and we got to tear. It, it, so you're kind of like part advisor, part social worker, part expediter. I wouldn't say but, social worker, okay. but yeah, I I tell people it's half courier, half consultant. Sometimes I'm just getting the paperwork where it needs to be. Um, for a lot of my clients who know what to do, who are in the field. Uh, they just use me to save time. So architects and lawyers might hire me for that reason. They just they don't want to push the paperwork. Um, they don't want to have one of their paralegals who's new on the job mess it up. They just they just want it done. So that's where I can help them. But then the other part is consulting. People saying, "Hey, what can we do with this property? 
what permits do I need? How does this happen? And just mapping out a path for it. You end up sort of being a project manager half the time too, saying, okay, we can do this on this day. If you get these documents to me, then we can move forward on this uh, at this time. If you don't get them to me, then it's going to be delayed by a week and mm-hmm, just explain mm-hmm. it that way. So I imagine that your, your, your pricing structure is tiered. So like you have a consulting fee or you have a fee that's just straight, I'm gonna, you're going to get the permits for somebody and that's it. I mean, how, how does your yeah. pricing work? It's, it varies by project. Okay. So uh, I have a rough structure, which is usually for just a building permit. This is not counting extra reviews like streets and water. Just a building permit is usually 800. Just a zoning permit with plans is usually 600. And then if it's an hourly rate, because some clients prefer that, uh, the base rate is 75 an hour. For more complicated projects, it might be more. It depends, though. It's very rare that I'm just giving you an invoice for exactly 800. There's okay. always, almost always something extra. Well, that's a good time. ballpark. Yeah. So, Brett, we're almost out of time here, but if, if folks want to follow up with you and learn more about your company and get in touch with you, what's the best place to find you? Oh, uh, just contact me through the website. The, um, the, the email there is info, I-N-F-O, at permitphilly.com. That's far and away the easiest thing okay. to do. Just info at permitphilly.com. I'll read it. I'll see it. I'll get back to you uh, shortly. Great. And permitphilly.com is the website. So, Brett, it's been great having you in. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it, folks. We're at the end of another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Remember, if you want to get past episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And you can also find episodes on the Jumpstart Germantown website, which is jumpstartgermantown.com. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for listening, and I will be back again next week with another episode. So until then, have a great weekend, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye.